0: Hi, I'm Paul,
1: and I'm Rad, and welcome to Game For Anything, the podcast where we're disgustingly down for whatever comes around.
0: On today's episode, it's almost Halloween, so we're talking with the geniuses behind Alan Wake 2, the spooky AF sequel everyone is talking about and the sticky sequel everyone is talking about, Spider-Man 2.
1: Mmm, get spooky, get sticky. (laughs) 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 So, Paul, I know that you've mentioned Alan Wake a few times uh, in the past week coming up to recording this episode. You're really excited about it. Mm. I'm going to admit to you, I don't actually think I've ever played an Alan Wake game. All I have in my brain is... It's dark. You've got a flashlight.
0: Am I on the right track? You are absolutely on the right track. And for those of you who have no idea what the hell Alan Wake is, let alone what Me. Alan...
1: It's yeah. me. It's... <laughs> I'm trying to include- tell me, Paul. I'm
0: trying to include people.
1: It can't... No, it's just me. This is my podcast. <laughs> You're here to talk to me. You tell me.
0: Listeners, you are lucky <laughs> to be here to hear me and Rad talk. So just shut up and listen. Okay. So-, so... <laughs> Basically, you're right. Alan Wake is about a novelist named Alan Wake, and he heads to this small town called Bright Falls. And I don't know if you ever saw Twin Peaks, Rad. No. Okay.
1: I'm Okay, so I'm getting the vibes. It's misty, there's a mountain, yep. there's an old car.
0: Yeah, and there's like a diner.
1: There's a cafe? Yep, okay, there's yeah. a,
0: absolutely. So imagine that town. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the Midwest, and there's a big lake. And so this author, Alan Wake, He's heading there with his wife to take a bit of a, like a break. And he's got writer's block and she's got a phobia and they just want to take some time out.
1: It's so nice. A little wake break. A break for the wakes. A little wake and break. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they're there for their wake and break. It's an annual thing. (laughs) And they're staying in this creepy little house called Birdleg Cabin on the edge of this big picturesque lake. Alan hears this weird noise upstairs. And I don't know what you're like when you hear a weird noise upstairs, but I instantly go and investigate. What do you do?
1: No. No, I believe that I will be staying right where I am. Thank you.
0: Also, you don't have an upstairs, so you'd be going onto the roof, and that's just not safe.
1: No, I would be going into the uh, apartment upstairs (laughs) and saying hello to my neighbors, whose names I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they're gay.
0: Okay, well, let's just fly them after the show and get them subscribing (laughs) and listening to Game for Anything. So, Alan hears a weird noise upstairs, and he goes up to investigate, then he wakes up on the side of the road a week later with no memory of what's happened over the previous week, but he's surrounded by the pages of a scary book that he apparently wrote during that week and has no memory of. So the town that he's in, uh, Bright Falls, is beset by monsters, which, as you pointed out, can only be killed by shining a flashlight on them. And... I asked the press people whether they were going to be sending out like promotional flashlights, and they're like, we didn't think of that. I said, really? You didn't think of that? They're
1: scrambling now. They are contacting every flashlight manufacturer they can think of. Mm -hmm. They're headed out to Kmart to buy a bunch of flashlights and a packet of stickers.
0: Or even just teaming up with a battery company. I'm not going to name them for free. Guys, if you want us to sponsor you, if you want us to sponsor (laughs) your batteries, you have to pay us.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Why batteries? I thought you said it was
0: flashlights. Oh, right. So here... In a complete, this is gonna piss you off as somebody who is a stickler for accuracy in terms of actual devices. Oh no. So you shine this magical light from your flashlight on the bad guys, and the batteries drain really fast. Now, my assumption is that the conversion rate of like normal light to magic light is different, but you chew through batteries like ammo. You do not look happy about this mechanic.
1: Because even if you were to say, okay, we're gonna pretend that it's a magical light which requires more energy. I'm no electrician, but I don't think that you can, like, increase the output of a battery just by the device requiring more power. You would simply need to put more batteries at once in. Right. You would need to... Actually, oh my god, Paul. (laughs) Yeah. You're gonna love this story. Bloody, you're gonna love this story, mate. Okay. Remember a time before portable power banks?
0: No, I can't. It's a dark age, quite literally.
1: Well, I do, because I was in high school, and there was a kid who wanted to make a portable power bank for his laptop which he did by by getting a big plastic tub and a bunch of like D batteries and hooking them all up in an array and terminating it in an outlet that he could plug his laptop into
0: I'd like to ask what happened is he alive
1: Oh he did a, he did a great job with it he's alive I don't know what he why well, I assume he's alive I don't know what he's doing now
0: I knew you'd be annoyed by the battery thing but in the game it seems like the world he's in is sort of affected by his book that he wrote. And I think in the book, he wrote a way to kill the monsters. And the way he described it in the book was you use flashlights to weaken them. So it feels sort of like a magical realist thing. But anyway, you're still shaking your head. That's fine.
1: But he could have just written, you kill the monsters by winking at them.
0: Yeah, which is, I mean, but how are you going to-
1: boom a little boom boom.
0: Chuck a battery in your mouth. Wink. The battery gets used up in one go. It's a single shot.
1: You don't need to use a battery. Like there's no more battery or part. What? I
0: I just really want batteries involved.
1: Okay, it's- fine. Fine. Paul loves batteries. Woo-woo. Let's keep going.
0: Did you ever touch a double D battery? Double D. Did you ever touch one of those batteries to your tongue?
1: Paul. What? He said the titty letters. Uh, did- <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh Energizer, please sponsor us. Listen, <laughs> do did you ever touch the battery? Those big
1: No, I'm not a psycho. Is it a double D?
0: I don't Hang on. Is it?
1: I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is, dude. I, I think you've just... If it is... I think you're over-sexualizing the batteries it, right now. If I
0: look up double D battery, it is double D. You're the dirty one.
1: Okay. It is! <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you didn't know... Okay.
0: Ignorance. There's no excuse for ignorance. Anyway. Where were we? Jesus Christ. Batteries. So, uh, Alan Wake and the sheriff basically head back into town together. And Alan's like, look, I'm here with my wife and we're staying at this house on the lake. And the sheriff's like, oh, okay. And they get to the lake and the house isn't there. And the sheriff's like, there was a house there, but this was an active volcano back in the seventies and the house was destroyed in the seventies. So I don't know where the f- you were staying. And that's kind of the premise. So Alan is stuck in a world, which is made up of the scary stories he tells. And at the end of the first game, he gets stuck there for good. And that was 13 years ago. So fans of the series have been waiting 13 goddamn years to get Alan out of this dark place. So Alan Wake 2 follows Alan as he escapes from that place, but you also spend half the game playing as an FBI agent called Saga Anderson, and she's in Bright Falls to investigate a cult. So you're hot between both characters.
1: Where is his wife at this juncture in
0: time? You know, I think he's really worried because when he went into the dark place, an evil version of him got out. So (gasps) for 13 years, there's been a bad Alan Wake out in the world, sort of doing terrible shit as him. Bro. Yeah, I know.
1: There might be evil Alan babies by now. I don't like it. No. I don't like it.
0: It's spooky and it's scary, but what I did was, I had all these questions, so I hopped on the phone to talk with Sam Lake, who's the creator of Alan Wake and Alan Wake 2 and Control and Max Payne and all the other games that Remedy's been doing for the past few years. But he also wrote the game and he's in it as one of the characters. And... He's the lake! He's... So he's been sloshing around in the game. And I also talked to Kyle Rowley, who's the game director. And he was the lead designer for Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. So they were both sitting there at the end of a very long junket in a room in New York. And I talked to them about Alan Wake 2. (laughs) Sam, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us on Game For Anything today. Alan Wake 2 is obviously something that we're all very, very excited about. Aaron Sorkin said that in any good story, you have three basic acts. In the first act, you chase the hero up the tree. In the second act, you throw rocks at the hero. And in the third act, you get them down from the tree. You appear to have paused Alan Wake's story mid-rock throwing. Whoa. What have some of the challenges been in kind of finally getting him down from the tree, so to speak?
2: I think it has worked like like looking back now, a lot of frustrations along the way trying to make like get the sequel going mm. and failing. Uh, but but it's it's perfect. like it's clear from the laws of drama that that him doing his sacrifice and ending up stuck in the dark place it could not be easy for him to get out and, and us proceeding in real time in our universe now he's been stuck for 13 years when the game begins, which is feels right like like that's you know he has suffered a lot. We have suffered a lot <laughs>
3: Sam has <laughs> suffered a lot.
2: So so it, it, it all worked out beautifully. This, this is how it should have gone. Like everybody is stuck in the dark place for 13 years and then we'll see, like, <laughs> what now?
0: I think it seems kind of cruel to have him come out in 2023, dude. Like it's not the best time.
2: <laughs> well, like, we, let, let's see what happens. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: But he has been missing a long time. And obviously the longer the wait, the bigger the kind of fan anticipation. Are either of you worried about the weight of expectation? We care,
2: we care a lot, I would feel. I'm sure that, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping we will surprise the fans in many ways. There is a lot of stuff packed into this and hopefully quite a bit of it is a surprise somehow i can on that side of things i i'm i don't feel worried hopefully it's unexpected like yeah, uh, really. a, a lot of the content but i feel that there is just so much there and so much done because we love this and we love the story and 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 we wanted to be as ambitious as we could we have just put everything in that we had really
3: and <laughs> um Let's see what the reaction is. You know, I think that people build up. Just, you know, it's, if it's like a few years, you know, people kind of like, they'll have some idea of what the next one will be because it's so close. But after 13 years, I think people will also build up their own expectations, what they want the game to be. And, you know, we can't, I think that from our perspective, we kind of mainly just focus on like what we believe the best approach to the, to the sequel would be and, and kind of like the direction we wanted to take it. I do think it will... As Sam said I think that people will be surprised a bit about some a lot of the, some of the stuff that we have in the game but in a good way. And then again I do truly
2: feel that this feels will feel like coming back home in many ways for our longtime fans. It's a new thing but it, I'm sure that tonally and for a lot of the content it's very recognizably a remedy game.
0: Fear is a real core kind of mechanic of this not just in the storytelling or the gameplay but it's a game about fear, and it certainly scares the crap out of me. What scares that? I'm asking you this at the end of a long day in a junket, but what scares you both the most? What scares you both the most? What frightens you, and did you inject any real-world fears, whether it's in a gameplay level or a writing level, into the game?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> like, so- yeah,
2: there, there is a lot to fear. <laughs> like and and it is it is a big part of storytelling and big part of the kind of threat and conflict and to me it's 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 on multiple layers in this as before, there is the primitive fear and kind of a child's fear mm. of the dark or of the deep water and these kinds of things that is very much present like nightmares and that's a big part of the kind of immediate, thing. On top of it, there there is the theme that I I find myself getting back to, which is the fear of your, you know, for the safety of your loved ones, you know, your family, which is a very real fear concern, which is a great motivator for protagonists. And then maybe as an added layer is fear for your sanity, which is part of the psychological horror in a very definite way. The basic theme of... Can you trust your memories? Can you trust your feelings? And what is real and what is imagined? In our case, what's what's real and what's fiction? Create material <laughs> to use.
0: I don't like Freud, but he said that dreams satisfy a wish. He said a lot of stuff about his mother as well, but let's ignore that. Could you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was yeah. very. Yeah, I think it, the problem was him, really. Tell us a little bit about where Alan has been for the last 13 years. And I'm talking from like a gameplay, game design perspective and a writing perspective. Like, what is this place and uh, what does it say about him as a person?
2: We are kind of summarizing the dark place, but it's kind of a nightmare dimension and an echo chamber of all the negativity. Uh, we, we are stuck in the darkest place of his mind, in a way. It's the reverse of that, but because it's him there... It's taking his thoughts, his fears, purposefully what he is writing and trying to write to shape this reality to escape, Mm. but it's all leaking out. That's the setting, and he comes from New York City. He has written his hardball fiction set in New York City, so now the whole place is this nightmare, New York City, around him, and because it's from his mind. Our starting point is that everything you see, like all the graffiti on the walls and all the signage and everything is from his head and and kind of then has a symbolic meaning, has a, you know, it's everywhere you look, it's messages to him. And because it's also like stealing from his mind, he is losing these memories. So he doesn't remember, and yet it's all around him for 13 years he has written again and again tried to come up with a story that allows him to escape we have these fossils of earlier stories lingering there and he can't remember even what he has written and now he's at it again so so that's the yeah where he finds
3: himself cuz it's like a dream, like nightmare reality and stuff shifts around a lot you know i think from a gameplay experience we we wanted to kind of lean into that and obviously you know the idea that he's a writer and like trying to find mechanics that it gives us like a lot of flexibility and room to build mechanics where we are shifting the space around him creating uncertainty leaning on this idea of paranoia and not being able to trust your environment so those are the kind of like key thematic elements that we hooked into from a a gameplay side to try and build an experience that kind of reflected his mindset but like Mm. through the as well.
0: Did you have a bonus level where he was chasing invoices? Because that truly is part of the freelance writer's experience.
3: <laughs> we'll write that down
2: and, yeah. and maybe for the next well, one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Please don't. I don't need to relive my traumas. I think that's all the time we have. And I cannot thank you both enough for coming on Game for Anything and chatting. Get some rest, folks. I'll uh, see you on the other side. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Paul, you're a man of the people. You love having a little chit chat, don't you? So is Alan Wake 2 actually out now?
0: Alan Wake 2 is, well, this is confusing because we pre-record these episodes oh. by a little bit. I've actually just received my code. So what I'm going to do, listeners and Rad, I'm going to play no, the no hell out of the just game. Rad.
1: Excuse me.
0: Just you. Sorry. Sorry. Everyone, shut up. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to play the game a lot. And then next week, from when you're listening to this, I will present a proper review of the game. Is that okay?
1: Okay. Beautiful. I'm excited Great. to hear how his wife is doing, how the other woman <laughs> in the game is doing detective woman um, uh-huh. and those are my priorities
0: now i'm worried about the wife now all i can think about is alan wake's <gasps> wife and we need to stop make sure. stop
1: thinking okay. about another man's wife
0: i really can't win with you today <laughs> can i <laughs> in the market
1: for investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer Well, speaking of game sequels, I have been playing my own little sequel lately. Uh, I haven't finished it, but if Mm -hmm. you're aware, the latest Spider-Man game, Spider-Man 2, has come Mm -hmm. out recently. And oh my good golly, these games look fantastic. I remember booting up Miles Morales for the first time and being absolutely blown away by just how good it looks on the PS5. And the hits keep coming. It is a gorgeous game.
0: How are you with New York City? Have you been to New York in real life? No. Okay, so New York City seems like whenever it's in a game, it becomes a character in the game. And I really enjoy open world games, but also there are specific parts of New York City that I have a great fondness for. And I was wondering if I could potentially visit them as Spider-Man, but it seems like that's... Probably not the reason you play the game. You better fight crime. Have you been fighting much crime or have you just been kind of sightseeing and zooming around? Wait,
1: wait, No, we need to backtrack because number one, did you just say New York City as a character? Yeah. Are you that? Are you that security guard from that one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Captain Holt has to chat to a security guard to distract him. And the guy loves uh, sex in the city, so he's just using talking points to get that guy going. I can be such a Samantha. Really? You don't seem like a Samantha.
2: Well, I'm actually a combination of all four characters. Five if you, you count the city of New
0: York, York yes. Yes, and uh, New York City is actually the sluttiest of all the girls.
1: <laughs> she does
0: get it. She does. I really, really do believe that a good city does have a sense of kind of, It does have a personality and character. Do you not agree that cities can become sort of people-like? No. <laughs> That's a no. Yeah, there we go. Okay.
1: Okay, no, no I, I agree that cities can have character. Absolutely. Mm. They have their own particular vibes, and they instill that in you when you're in them. What would I consider to be a character, though?
0: Full disclosure, you live in Sydney. I live in Melbourne. Sydney and Melbourne are often compared to each other quite unfavorably. And the way it was described to me is Sydney is the hot girl who knows she's hot. Melbourne is the bookish, artsy girl who doesn't realize she's hot until she takes her glasses off and shakes her hair out. One's the kind of Hipster and one's the surfer. Now I don't agree with that anymore because both cities have become a lot more nuanced for me. But both cities have such a distinct identity. If you had to compare them to people, types of people.
1: Okay, no, you're right. I see it now. New York City punches like legitimate. I I feel like if you met New York City as a person, there is like a thirty second window within which you're picking a path as to whether or not you end up getting punched or not. Wow. So New York City is ready to fight. I've never been to New York. <laughs>
0: But, <laughs> okay, do you feel like in those 30 seconds there would be anything good happening or is it just a punch to the face you're looking forward to? Uh,
1: there's also steam coming out of
0: the floor. There is. What is with the steam?
1: Um, Isn't it something to do with uh, heat in the, like, subway?
0: Yeah, but I was told recently, and I could be wrong here, that, I, you know, now, now that I think about it, this is clearly the stupidest thing I'm ever going to say.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Okay, go.
0: I heard that all liquid waste that was excess was like boiled off and that's like the piss piss being steamed into the streets. That's not true.
1: Okay, Paul, when you heard that, did you think that's not true or did you think, oh, I didn't know that?
0: I was so tickled by the premise and I thought again about the logistics that I didn't stop to think whether it was true or not.
1: And now you've gone and repeated it to everyone.
0: Yes, and this is how misinformation gets spread, everybody. And also, speaking of spread, New York is having its piss spread via vapour through the streets. (laughs) Just don't breathe in when you walk past those beautiful, beautiful vents.
1: Yeah, gorgeous. But Spider-Man 2, which is actually what I wanted to talk about. I don't know whether or not in the game New York City is replicated faithfully. Do you?
0: I I think they take quite a bit of pride in, if not making it, like a one-to-one scale New York City, I think what they've done is make it feel like New York City, right? Like it's true to the spirit of New York City. I'm assuming what they do is take key landmarks and then compress the sort of basic architecture between them so that your brain and your whatever, you feel like you're in New York. But I guess what I'm curious about is the New York that you navigate in the city as you're sort of solving crimes and whatnot, does it ever feel restrictive that you are doing so in one place because a lot of games go you get to fly around visit different types of places this is all in new york just to be clear yeah
1: i don't feel like it feels restrictive but i'm only a couple of hours in they do have different Mm. kind of suburbs or areas or boroughs or whatever that you can go to that i think they're trying to give different fields and they unlock a little bit more as you go there is a little bit of variety but it is just a game that's about a really satisfying gameplay loop where you'll be swinging your way over to one main mish and all of a sudden something will pop out in the corner and be like, oh, there's a brawl happening and you have to go break it up. Or there's a photo opportunity here that you can take out your camera and take a photo for the newspaper. Um, So there's a lot that just kind of gets thrown at you randomly to pique your interest and pull your attention. And it keeps you just going going. So in that way, I feel like you're not as worried about diversity in your surroundings and what it looks like and going somewhere else. You're more so distracted by the little different missions that you can do.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan of duos working together as evidenced by working with you on the show. So I'm curious as to how Miles and Peter feel To operate as a duo.
1: Honestly, they're very, very similar. Uh, At least as far as I've played, there's not really any time where you're kind of controlling both or anything like that. You swap between them. And in the start, there's more stuff of them together. But as you go and you kind of settle into the game uh, more broadly, you're just playing one of them and swapping between. They feel very similar to play to me, but... I think maybe I'm not... Oh, no, that's not true. I was going to say maybe I'm not the best at feeling those subtle differences. But for example, God of War Ragnarok, uh, you Mm. play as Kratos, who is big Spartan dude, very heavy, big muscles, and he feels heavier and a little bit slower. And you also play as Atreus, his son, who's like a skinny little teenager, uses a bow and arrow and he does feel lighter and more vulnerable and uh, quicker. My point is to say that I do feel things I promise (laughs) but I haven't noticed any major major differences in how they play it's more differences in the abilities that they have so like uh, Miles Morales uses electricity for example so he can do different stuff.
0: You've said to me before that you don't always complete games and that the plot of games does sometimes breeze past you so I'm curious as to whether first of all has the plot grabbed you yet? And secondly, do you intend to finish what seems like a really big game?
1: If I was to describe the plot to you, Peter's getting a job. <laughs> okay. I think Harry's up to something. I think this... I don't think this is a spoiler, but I think Harry might have the venom in him.
0: Oh, God damn it, Harry.
1: Which was implied early in the game. Yeah. And also... The bad guys have been broken out. Oh, there's a guy who's hunting. He's like a big hunter,
0: dude. Oh, Craven. Yes. Oh, okay.
1: And he's he's broken a bunch of of super villains out, and I think he wants to like find the ultimate fun person to hunt, and that, that's what I've got for you. I think that's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I think so. And like you said, the. Peter and Miles are sort of a fun-loving duo of neighborhood Spider-Man, so I feel like it's as much about the little stories, like stopping to help the dude who's like dropped his pizza, as it is about stopping the world-ending threats. I
1: don't necessarily think that it's likely that I will finish it for the story. I think if there was any that I was going to, it would have been Miles Morales, which was the, not quite spin-off, but the sort of second uh, Spider-Man game that wasn't a main sequel. I don't know what you call that. An addendum. It's like a skin tag.
0: I, it's, uh, I really, uh,
1: but like a good uh, skin tag.
0: I have a few, I have a few triggers, Rad, and that's,
1: oh, sorry. Just, that's interesting. Okay. Not a fan of that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Particular phraseology. It's
1: natural. Okay.
0: I'm a big fan of games that are shorter. I mean, of course the greedy part of me wants as much as possible, right? But, Give me a condensed experience. Give me a seven hour game any day.
1: I agree. There comes a point where I'm like, the gameplay isn't changing. I've already played this. I don't necessarily need to keep playing it for long stretches to get another sliver of story. Just give me the story.
0: I mean, I mainly play past the story to unlock all the skins. I am such a fan of hats, costumes and skins. I'm a skin guy. Oh, then. Not a skin tag (laughs) guy. (laughs)
1: this is getting interesting okay well i think then this game has a lot of appeal for you because there are lots of different skins and suits that you can unlock and you can also change what color they are currently i've got the cool classic into the spider verse one where he's got his shorts on and his hoodie um and it's cool i like it but i have been thinking a lot in playing this game how it's really interesting that we've come to this space where xbox versus playstation has become a conversation that's going in a different direction, in my opinion. It used to just be this conversation of, oh, which is better? Which do you play Xbox or PlayStation? But now what I'm starting to see is them going down two very different directions of the types of games and experiences that they're offering rather than each one just trying to swing their juggernauts of, like, big games.
0: So what are the different directions and, like, who do they appeal to?
1: I reckon PlayStation has gone in really hard on exclusive IP. So you've got your Last of Us, you've got God of War, you've got Spider-Man. These are all big AAA titles that are so, so polished. Ratchet and Clank, even. Um, And I know some of these are timed exclusives, but still, they're... Really, kind of needle pushing games that give you a reason to buy a PlayStation. They give you a reason to opt in and get those games as soon as possible. And they look incredible. Like, I know, I know that the Xbox is also very powerful. I've got a Series X, it's fantastic. Yeah. But something on the PlayStation, like, games have never looked that good on console. We're not going down PC route. There's too many variables. Yep,
0: of course. Of course. <laughs>
1: but yeah, games have never looked that good. I've been legitimately blown away multiple times by different PlayStation exclusives but then you look on the Xbox side and they've brought in Game Pass which PlayStation has tried to copy Mm. I would say unsuccessfully it's basically a subscription service where you pay a monthly fee and then you get access to an incredibly large library of games and a lot of games on first day release and it is so beloved that people forget it costs money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my, my subscription ran out recently and I was like, "What?" I can't... <laughs> and I was just floundering, you know?
1: Yeah, because you're just paying it in subscription. You open up Game Pass and have a look and it's like all the games are there, they feel free because you can just download any of them. Yeah. It's an incredible business model that I think has worked really, really, really well for Microsoft. But I don't know about you, it feels like they've pulled completely back on looking for any exclusives or, or big exclusives. I mean, they've still got... There's still, you know, Forza versus Gran Turismo. But other than that, can you think of any Xbox exclusives? They haven't got a Last of Us.
0: I can't think of any Xbox exclusives that have grabbed me. PlayStation seems like the place you go for event story-based stuff. Mm. Xbox seems like the place you go. It's like a public library where everything is available.
1: And I think that that's a really nice thing because it's adding more value to each camp. Yeah. I think when, when they're the same, it just feels a little bit like, well... Makes it harder to choose. But now when you're like, okay, well, what do I want? Mm. Or if you've got both, there's more of a reason to pick up both. It's kind of like in the same way that Switch or Nintendo in general just stop looking at the market, it feels. And they just go, what do we want to do? And it's a beautiful thing. And you get stupid weird stuff like Labo where you had the cardboard that you would buy in packs and then fold it to make controllers that you put the like little joy cons into yeah very silly but i'm glad that that exists and i'm glad when companies step outside the box and do their own thing rather than trying to compete in one specific field with other companies who are just doing the same thing. Yes,
0: absolutely. And for me, the Xbox PlayStation competition divide, whatever you want to call it, really does seem a bit like the Melbourne Sydney thing. Both are doing very different things. You can enjoy both on their own merits. You probably can't afford to live in both at once. That's crazy. You should probably just pick one and appreciate the other for what it's good at. I don't know what the Switch is in this metaphor. (laughs) Canberra. You think it's Canberra? Oh boy, okay. Midway. Yeah, Canberra is, I would say, less beloved than the Switch but it does certainly march to the beat of its own drum.
1: Paul, are you Xbox or PlayStation?
0: Uh, Look, I'm only Xbox because I have an Xbox. I don't have a PlayStation. I want a PlayStation. I wanted a PlayStation for quite a while. Sorry, I have a PS4, technically speaking, but it's sitting in the corner just being neglected. I really do think that my PlayStation 4 is the equivalent of that car, that rusted car hulk up on cinder blocks in that weird guy's yard. So what I need is a new car.
1: We don't have time to talk about this, But later on, I want to tell you about how I am seriously considering buying a 1976 Corolla.
0: I have such a yearning to talk to you about this. We will do this at some point in the future. But
1: we don't have time right now because that is the end of Game for Anything. (laughs) Paul, we have gone long. We have to end this episode.
0: Have we gone long? Don't give me that look. Yeah, we have. We've gone from a D to a double D, so we're going to have to run. We have. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for more Game For Anything. Bye everyone.